0: Amen. Thank you, friend. Well, good morning. My name's Adam. Welcome, uh, one and all, uh, whether it's your first time, you've been here forever. Um, You have come at the final part, part three of our Rated M for Maturity series, and this series is designed to kind of deal with um, sex and sexuality and identity from what it looks like from God's perspective. So, what it looks like from God's t- perspective to be sexually mature. So, already you're like, why did I choose this to be my first time coming to Crossroads? I get it. I understand. So, everybody, if you don't mind, put your hands together like this. Like, like you know, maybe, I don't know if, we're, if you have to pray that way. We're not, I'm not going to make you pray, but okay. Now, do that same thing, but like switch fingers, Hey, it's not awesome, right? It's not the best. I don't like it. I'm a little uncomfortable doing it. And I would guess this morning will feel a little bit like that, okay? A little bit like, I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't think this will be a morning where it'll be like, put your foot behind your head uncomfortable, I hope. I'm not attempting, trying to do that. Um, but today's message might feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable, so here's what I'd like you to do. <clears throat> Remember this good news. Uh, you are perfectly capable of handling discomfort, just so just remind yourself of that. And here's why I know that. You have handled discomfort your entire life. Uh, and if, you've, if you are older than eighth grade, you definitely have, because you went to middle school. And you know, intimately, discomfort and what that is all about. You know all about it. So, uh, so remind yourself that you can handle feeling discomfort because you've handled it a thousand times. And uh, I also hope that today you'll feel encouraged. You may even be a little bit uncertain about what we're talking about and not sure that that's maybe aligns with your views on it. And I just want to let you know that we can handle you being uncertain about what we're saying up here. Like, we can handle that, too. That's just fine. So we can all handle all of it. Okay? Are we ready? Are we ready? Ready or not? Here we go. It comes to an end today, people. That's it. Part three. This is it. Um, I have experienced a lot of discomfort in preparing for this message. Um... In January of 2017, I emailed a pastor, how do you have sex talk with your kids? And this is what he sent me. He said, never have the sex talk, have sex talks. I was like, oh, yeah, that's really valuable. So just different ages and stages of life, you can begin to just bring certain things up. And I won't go into the story of how I applied that. I think it was way premature, and it was like at a random lunch when I came home from work, and people were just happy to talk about anything else. And I, I went there. No one was ready. My wife wasn't ready. My children weren't ready. Faces were shutting down. No one's enjoying their meal but me. Uh, so, hopefully, that is not the experience you get to have today. So. Um, So rated M for maturity is kind of like us doing that, having some kind of sex talks that we want to just keep the conversation going. We don't want to do it all in one day, all right? So uh, this is not just to kind of frame what it is and what it isn't. This is not a has not been a series on uh, sexual purity, but maturity, and I'll get a little bit more on that later. Um, And I also want to frame it this way too, in all seriousness. Uh, This is also not a series on how to heal from sexual trauma, Uh, though we would think it would be very mature and very loving for you to consider pursuing your own healing if you have experienced pain and trauma in that area, which many people have, and it seems more and more people. Um, Other people do not always love us well. And then we have to love ourselves well enough to go get help, right? So that could be meeting with a therapist, could be meeting with a counselor. Um, It could be going to uh, Crossroads Celebrate Recovery Group that deals with past hurts. Um, As many of you know, and maybe some of you don't know, we have a wellness center downstairs where you can book an appointment and just meet with someone to walk through or begin a process of healing. So if that's part of your story, we do think... Um, we, we can't get into all of that in, in, in this morning, but we do, we do want to say that uh, whatever that might be for you, we do think it'd be really important for you to consider maybe taking one of those steps for your own uh, health. So um, part of our the reason behind our Rated in for Maturity series and, is we want to start a conversation around sexuality and identity because our creator has a lot to say about it. Like, so our creator, the God who made us, has a lot to say about that. Um, our culture never stops talking about it. And sometimes parents and churches could be the place that say very little about it. And so we know that whenever, whenever like, um, God's perspective on things isn't shared, the enemy is happy to fill in that void and share all kinds of stuff to bring confusion to bring hurt, pain, and shame. So, um, my parents, they never had sex talks or sex talk. Um, which, I look back and there's a part of me that's like, I'm happy with that. The thought of my parents touching each other just disgusts me. Like, still does. Like, I'm just like, oh. I'm just like, oh, like I do not, I did not want to hear anything about my parents' affection for one another. That was just middle school Adam and 48-year-old Adam. Um, that's a confession. All right, I need help. I get it. I need help. All right. So though they weren't having any talks with me, you know who was? MTV, Madonna, Hugh Hefner, Boys to Men. I'll make love to you, and I'll hold you tight. If you're over 40, anybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Boys to men, they're pretty tight. So I was... <laughs> All right, sorry, I just saw my friend Roger. He, he turned on his, his light from his phone. <laughs> just <right. laughs> That is awesome. We got to travel. We'll do a show, a tour, me and you. I love that. Uh, Even, uh, uh, yeah, I remember, like, growing up in a a pretty Christian home and listening to that boys to Men song. I remember even, like, kind of, like, mentally going, like, I'm sure they're married. I'm sure, like, they're happily married, Christian people. Uh, Made me feel less bad about it. Um, So, I was a virgin when I got married at 26 years old. And uh, I am proud of that, Um, but I also recognize that virginity is not the only standard or measurement for sexual maturity, not even close. Um, Sexual maturity is not just abstinence. Uh, Make no mistake about it that I have dealt with a lot of sexual immaturity even when I was a virgin and I have dealt with a lot of sexual immaturity even while being married. Remember the finger thing? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, It's uncomfortable. I get it. I get it. You guys don't want to hear about this from me. You don't want to? I got it. I understand. I don't take it personal. Uh, so let's just keep going. So... Honest confession, I, uh, some of my sexual immaturity looks a little bit like this. I have looked and I have lusted. I have fantasized. I have objectified women in my mind. I have committed adultery in my heart towards other women who weren't my wife. I have lived... With shame and guilt and self-induced loathing because of secret sexual sin, largely that was just taking place up here in a way that no one could know unless they were in here. So I have been sexually immature, I still have sexual immaturity that God and friends are walking me through, and I know in my future there will be sexual immaturity for me to deal with. All of that is true about me. I have not only fell short of God's standards for sexual maturity, I have fallen short of my own. You ever done that one? You're like, I promised, I committed, I wouldn't do that. And we fall short of our own, let alone anybody else's, right? So the ideal that God kind of sets up for us in Genesis that we talked about in, in part one and part two is the ideal is one God, one man, one woman, one marriage for one lifetime. This is the ideal, and then we have actually what's real, <laughs> right? We have stuff that just, the ideal was never fully lived out in everybody's life. That is real, right? So the temptation is just get rid of the ideal because it, it, it could be feel so elusive at times. But here's what I would just want to remind us that Whenever we feel, fall short of the ideal, uh, God has made a way to deal with that. He's given us the gift of salvation to all who believe in him. He's given us the gift of our conscience and confession and repentance. Repentance is this beautiful gift that in hi- hyper-conservative, like... Areas like it's repentance is used like a beat up word, like to shame. No, no, repentance is this beautiful gift God gives us that we can open up at any time of any day and go, God, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I now know this, this is wrong. And He comes and meets us, and it's really a beautiful thing. He's given us the gift of grace and forgiveness. He's given us the gift of His Holy Spirit that indwells in us that can renew our minds, change the way we think, thus changing the way we feel, thus changing the course of our lives and where we're walking. Like he can give us a new path. And he's given us one another that we can carry one another's burdens. And we can be there for one another to remind us of who we are and whose we are. And I know I need those reminders. And if you're here today, so I want to specifically talk to anybody who's been divorced. You may even been divorced multiple times. And you realize, okay, I have fallen short of that ideal in some way. And, the, and often people that have, that have experienced that, there is just, they've shared with me deep amount of shame, deep amount of unworthiness, deep amount of guilt, and, and sometimes even walking into religious buildings and kind, kind of feel like, I don't know if I belong, I don't know if I should be here because I know this about me. I, I can't get into the story, but I want to leave you something. If you've been divorced, I want to give you John chapter 4. And I just want you to file that away to look up later. And it's the story of Jesus' interaction with a woman he met at a well right outside the town of Samaria. And this is a woman who had a lot of relational challenges. I mean, a lot of breakups, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. And you maybe have been on the receiving things from religious people that have maybe uh, added more shame and guilt to you, added more condemnation to you, uh, and even maybe affirmed in your mind that, yeah, maybe I I am just damaged goods. Maybe that I am not worthy or able to be accepted by God. So John chapter 4, I just want to give that to you to explore Jesus's conversation with a woman who had a lot of stuff going on. And if you're a man and you've been divorced, this isn't just for women to read. Read this story and look at how Jesus talks with her. Look at how Jesus loves her. Look at how Jesus spends time with her and sees her, sees her. She was living at a time when women were not seen, right? They were just second-class citizens, and here's a well-respected rabbi teacher just spending time with her, seeing her, hearing her, John chapter 4. So when we lose our way, we need to remember that God has made a way through Jesus to be found. We lose our way. So we need to remember this. God can handle our immaturity. We probably can't handle our own, and we may have other people in our lives that don't like putting up with any immaturity we have in our lives. God can handle it. It doesn't disgust or scare him away. He's not a prude. He just knows what's best for us emotionally physically spiritually sexually he just knows what's best but he's not a prude about it he just made all of that stuff so he just knows what's best so if your story involves some sexual immaturity as mine does you may struggle with this belief that you've lost your purity and you wonder how can i ever get that back Because I know I've messed up. My virginity didn't give me my purity. Purity came when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and that was a gift from Him. It didn't come from abstinence. That's not what gave me purity in in God's eyes. It was through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you kind of feel like, I feel like I still have this stain... This scarlet letter. Um, I, I would just want to suggest to you that that could just be residual effects of pain. And memories and real hurt and real trauma and maybe some real regret. I don't know that there's an actual stain there. Not in Christ Jesus. When we give our lives to Jesus and we walk with Jesus. And so... I just want to address, like, if you're here today and you're like, oh, purity, purity, oh, man, I don't, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. Um, I'd like you to just get curious about what God really has to say about that. I mean, is gossip pure? I don't think so. So if I gossip, do I lose all my purity? And then if so, how do I ever get it back? I don't know, it's just kind of weird. So this series, we want to talk about maturity because guess what? You can be immature and become more mature. It's not hard. Well, sometimes it is, but but it's like it's really hard. (laughs) I was a virgin when I was twenty six. It was hard. It was hard. I get it. My friends did not support that decision. So it's not so much about, like, losing our purity, but here's what can happen. We may lose our way. We may lose some self-esteem. We may lose some self-confidence. Um, we may lose a marriage. We may lose, like, some, some mental health, right? We may lose our maturity, But I think that's the beautiful good news offer is that we can get maturity back one mature decision at a time. So I I want us to remember this. Being sexually mature is a process. It's never a destination that we arrive at. It's a process. I'm going to spend the rest of my life, hopefully, God willing, I will commit to being sexually mature from this day till my last day. And we would hope that all of us if you're a Jesus follower, that you would look, what steps can I take to be more sexually mature? The Apostle Paul said it this way, how do I put childhood ways behind me? He said this in a letter to some Christians living in Corinth. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the childhood ways behind me. So what does it look like in the context of sexual maturity to just put some childish ways behind us? And aspire to maturity. And here's a promise I feel confident making to everybody in this room. You will never regret choosing to be sexually mature. You will not regret that. You'll not regret that. You may be alone in that, depending on who your friend group is. (laughs) Culture may not really encourage that. But you will never regret choosing to want to grow in sexual maturity. You may feel uncool. But you won't regret that. And one of the, I think one of the childhood ways our Creator would like us to put behind us is letting culture define for us sexuality and identity. Because I think God would rightly like to define that for us. Uh, We have a real enemy who's really bent on tempting us to just adopt and absorb. Cultures, views, and values on sex, sexuality, and dating. So if you think of culture like a current, like a stream, a current, um, I think our enemy would just want us to jump in and just go downstream and let us take it. Because culture is always a current. It's always flowing in a particular direction. And I think our enemy would love us just to jump in and get soaking wet and just let it take us downstream. And for those who are committed to sexual maturity, it'll be like feel like you're swimming upstream every day. So if you feel tired, <laughs> if you feel exhausted, sometimes if you feel like, hey, they're just kind of laying on something and going down with arm floaties, you're like, yeah, that's easy. Just let it take you. Like it can feel sometimes very tiring to swim against the current. So in its broadest sense, there's like, Basically, from my perspective, like just two broad categories of ways that we define um, sex and love and identity. And the first one is we let God, who is the author, sustainer, and creator of it, define it for us. Okay, so that's an option. Option uh, number two is everybody for themselves. Just everybody define it for yourself. So in its broadest sense, at least there's maybe other options. But in my mind, you let the creator of it define all of that. Or everybody just define it for yourself. And so we filmed a video that kind of, if you've been to a wedding, you'll pick up on what uh, the, the, the lines from this skit uh, are drawing from in the Bible. And it kind of speaks to what happens when everybody just defines it for themselves. Thank you, guys. And before we proceed with the exchanging of value, I would like to take this opportunity Share with you all what love is. Love is sex on the third day. Love is insensitive to its partner. Love is a wandering eye. It brags about hookups and it posts first traps. It turns people made in God's image into objects through pornography. Love does not ask for consent. Love is anger when it does not get what it wants. Love keeps the list of every mistake it's ever made. Love always shames, always gaslights, always gives up hope of ever working out and throws in the towel. Love always fails. That was beautiful. Are <laughs> Are you serious? Are you- So, mankind has been, from the fall, been wanting to divine for itself what is right, what is wrong, and everyone just do what's right in your own eyes. And the goal of our enemy, we have a real enemy, and it's not, it's not, Christians, if you're a Christian, listen to me. Sometimes the people we make enemies are, are not our enemy. They may be shaping our culture and they may promote things that don't line up with God's view on it. Our enemy are not our pop stars and our actors. They're not our enemy. We have a shared enemy. The enemy of our souls. The one that showed up in the Garden of Eden was lying then and he's lying now. And the goal of our enemy is to encourage us to have lots of sex outside of marriage and very little sex in our marriages. That's what he desires for all of us. So my namesake, Adam, I don't quite know how to feel about being named after him. Um, He was first, which is cool. And he ruined a lot of stuff. Um, So... So Adam was offered the tree of life, and he chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we're going to come back to this in our Easter series, God Has a Green Thumb. Adam Adam chose the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he wanted to choose morality for himself apart from God. He wanted to choose for himself what justice should look like, what good and bad should look like, what sexuality should look like, how love should be defined. And this Adam is tempted to want to do that too. See, our enemy wants to destroy intimacy and safety. He wants people to live under piles of guilt and shame. Especially around the area of sex. He wants to instill in them just this sense that they don't belong and God would not want them or have them that they are damaged goods and will just be damaged goods. Jesus called them the father of lies, meaning that's just what he does. He lies and he lies constantly and repeatedly. See, John, the disciple, tells us that God is love, meaning God created it, he sustains it, and he defines it. And this is why Christians view sex and sexuality as something sacred. It's sacred. We don't, we don't see it as something cheap. That we also view identity in terms of being child of God, which is what we talked about last week. That the father of lies wants to offer up all these other identities we can pick up. And Jesus offered us child of God. And We talked about last week that maturity is finding your identity in who loves you and not in who you love. That we first... What first informs our identity is real is getting to know the person who first loved us. So, I want to read to you the passage that our friend Graham uh, terribly butchered in that wedding video. I want to read to you the actual words from 1 Corinthians 13 that gets shares, sh- shared at many weddings. And this speaks to kind of how God is... Helping to find love through Paul's writings. He starts off by saying, love is patient. Love is patient. That can mean lots of things, but it most certainly means it doesn't apply pressure on somebody. It doesn't see waiting as a problem because love is patient. Love is kind, Meaning it doesn't treat a new digital picture of a man or woman's body as something to be objectified and sexualized. That we just don't take a person's body and see it as just individual parts. We see the wholeness. We see the image bearer in that person. That they're made in the image of God and they are sacred. Because love is kind. It does not envy There's lots of ways this can apply, but it could also maybe for you be learning to not be envious of someone else's body shape or their relationship, but learning over time to embrace your body because you have a wonderful creator. Love does not boast, so love doesn't brag about their sex life or gossip about the sex life of others. Love is not like that. Love is not proud. Love just doesn't decide, I'm going to define all of these things on my own apart from God. Love does not dishonor others. So it doesn't do elevator eyes. It doesn't do that I'm driving and they're running and I kind of go, I should check the rearview mirror. Make sure it's aimed in the right direction. It doesn't disrobe and dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. I love you is not a come-on line to try to get someone to fulfill your sexual desire. I love you is not a come-on line. That's a sacred line. Love is not easily angered. I mean, it just doesn't feel entitled to things, even in marriage. You know you can be married and sexually immature. I know this married guy has been. It keeps no record of wrongs. If you, if part of your story is some sexual immaturity, God has made a way to deal with that. Your enemy would like you to believe that there's no forgiveness for some of these things. There may be ongoing healing required. There may be memories you just can't, you know, entirely erase. But love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and that's just not keeping a record of other people's wrongs. That's keeping a record of our own. Because when we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9 says he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. So if God is not holding a list against us, I think he would want us to not hold a list against ourselves. And that doesn't happen in a day. It could just be ongoing conversation with God. I know you have forgiven me, but I haven't forgiven me. God, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help remind me? because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. Love celebrates God's view and definition of sex and sexuality. And I love how it ends. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. My love fails but not his. Not his not once. And when my love fails, I got to go to the one whose love never fails and go help, help me. I'm being immature, help me, I'm struggling. I love this beautiful description of love. And so maturity, an aspect of maturity is letting God define love. Maturity is letting God define love. Maturity is letting the God, the author and creator and sustainer of all these things define these things for us. If I have an issue or confusion with my iPhone. I book an appointment with the genius member at the Apple store. Why? Because these are the people that know the inner workings of these phones. And when I have confusion in this area, I have to go to my Creator, the Author and Designer of all of those things. That's the best person to go to. This is kind of weird to think about. Maybe I love this. I I, I read a quote. And then I just changed it and put it in here so I didn't have to quote them. But it was a great thought they shared. (laughs) The first sexual thought in the universe was God's, not man's. The first sexual thought to ever be had was God's. It came from here. He created that idea. So God thought of sex before man did. And then the fall happened. And man has been trying to think about sex without God ever since. That part, they, they didn't say, I, I helped come up with that one, that was good. If you like that, that was, it doesn't matter. Right. But that like, that was like, oh, that's kind of crazy cool. There's a lot of confusion out there. And there's a lot of confusion around like, I remember having seasons of my life that this was more pronounced than other, in other ways, but like, God, what is your will? Please, if you just told me what your will is. If you ever been there? You're just like, God, what is your will? What am I supposed to do? What decision am I supposed to make? Please tell me. So this verse doesn't answer all of that. But there are verses in there where God's like, this is my will. You're like, oh. <laughs> so here's one of them. I love this. It was a letter Paul wrote to some Christians of the first century in First Thessalonians. This is this. For this is the will of God. I love this. If you're wondering, God, what's your will? He's like, this is his will. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you would know how to control his own body. We may be part of the animal kingdom, but we are not animals. We can control our bodies, especially with the Holy Spirit's help. In holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And Paul's basically saying, we all, there are, like, Christians should not just live as if there's no God. Christians should not just live as if there's no one who thought of that idea and has anything to say about it. That God would want us to be set apart, and that does not make us better than anybody, because Christians are not better than anybody. Being set apart does not make us better or above anyone else. It just means we go, God, you define these things for us, and I want to align myself with your definition for all of these things. And then we fall short, right? We just do. And I love that, again, he's made a way to deal with that. So I want to share with you another verse from corinthians i love this says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind meaning temptations are just so common right we can all tell stories about yep i've been tempted by that tempted by that and god is faithful i love that because i'm not always faithful but i know he is and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear have you ever felt that you just couldn't bear under a temptation any longer like please help but when you are tempted, you provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation is not sin. Being tempted is not sin. Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. But God gives us ways out. And I love that. I love that. I want to just sh- share with you just a few ways God has made a way out when you're dealing with temptation. So if you've dealt with sexual sin and regret, God has made a way out. It's called confession, repentance, embracing grace, and truth. Those are some ways he's given us out that when we stumble and fall, when we fall short, not of just God's standards, we fall short of even our own. He's like, I have these beautiful gifts for you. It's called confession. You can confess your sin and you would know that you are forgiven, that you that, that you could embrace his grace and truth. If you've dealt with sexual trauma, he's given us a way to pursue healing and 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 I'm not an expert in this but I know this one thing I know time doesn't heal but I do know time spent with someone can bring healing that you would invest time with a therapist or counselor or, or, or somebody who could sit with you and help you talk through and process real things that are really heavy and really really painful if you're dealing with sexual frustration some ways out is being in prayer being in fellowship And being transparent with safe people where you can come out and be, here's my struggle. Here's my temptation. Here's what's really hard in my life. Could you ask me about it? Can you pray with me about it? Can you talk with me about it? Maybe even finding someone who's been through those battles and go, how did you navigate those hard things? If you're struggling around issues of identity, being in God's word, reminding yourself that maturity is finding your identity in who loves you. So one of the steps I'd like you to consider taking is to read First Corinthians chapter 13, where love is patient, love is kind, all those things, and, and maybe just ask yourself, get curious about where does my love need to get more mature? Where's one area? Does it need to be more kind? Does it need to be more selfless? Does it need to stop keeping a record of other people's wrongs or my own? Where does your love need to become mature? I think one of the areas for sure I need God's help and my friends' help with is my love to be less self-seeking. Sometimes my love is just a selfish love. So in closing, there's a few things I'd like you to remember Then we're going to have some prayer teams come up. I'd like you to remember that sexual maturity or immaturity is not your identity. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, child of God is who you are. Remember, if you have fallen short of God's ideal or maybe even your own, God has made a way to deal with that. God is not looking for ways to hold things against people. What does John tell us? He gave his one and only son. He gave up a lot. And I heard someone say, and I wish I could quote them because it's so good, because you know how much some, someone is worth when you see how much someone is willing to pay for that. How valuable are we that he would pay with his one and only son? Think about that. How valuable? I don't even feel that valuable. I don't feel worthy of that. But think about that. That's what God the Father was willing to pay. He's not looking to hold lists and keep you distant from him. You may be here this morning and 95% of the stuff I've said, you're like, I don't agree with any of that. That's fine. I can handle that. We can handle that. You can stay here. You can be here. You don't have to sign off on any of that. What I would want for you is just to discover the love of Jesus like I am discovering. And the identity that comes from him that floods my heart with grace and healing and joy. And then Jesus has you do hard things. You're like, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I have those conversations with him all the time. Yeah, he does have us build our faith muscles through having to sometimes wrestle with heavy, hard things, right? And remember that you'll never regret choosing sexual maturity. You just, you just won't regret it. If you're a teenager, you probably would feel alone like me when my friends were doing stuff and I wasn't. and It was hard. It was really hard. You feel alone. You know. And, and I now can look back and know I wasn't alone. And I had my buddy Phil with me. He was in a similar boat. Nobody liked us. <laughs> that was fine. I'll, we'll, I'll get help with that. Um, <laughs> I met my wife. She likes me. It's, it all worked out. It all worked out. So I love you, friends. Um, If anything I've shared today felt less like fingers not in the right place, but a leg over the head, it wasn't my intent, truly. It really wasn't. If you're leaving here with any guilt or condemnation, I just know that's our enemy. That's what he does. That's who he is. He wants to fill us with those kinds of things. And that's not from our Heavenly Father. God can handle our brokenness. He can handle our immaturity. He can even handle our opposing views of his definitions of all of these things. So when our prayer teams come up and join me, and if you're here today and you'd like to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to come up and, and visit with one of our prayer teams. If you need prayer because someone you love is sick, maybe you're not doing well, maybe you have an appointment coming up that makes you a little nervous or you got to meet with a doctor, you have a decision coming up that you need God's help in making, anything, maybe something from this message, you can come get prayer. We would love to pray for you. I love you. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to close this in prayer. And um, I want to thank you for uh, letting yourselves be uncomfortable, whether you knew ahead of time you were going to be feeling that or not. I appreciate you being here And joining together. So would you join me as I close this in prayer? Lord God, I love you. I thank you for your grace, your goodness. I thank you that you are love. And you love us. And I pray all of us would spend the rest of our lives trying to discover just what, how (laughs) just how you think about us, how you see us, that you would find that the, the most appropriate thing to pay for us would be your one and only. Son, I want to spend the rest of my life digging into that kind of extravagant love that you have for those you have made. I love you. Bless us today as we leave, Lord. Give us your grace. Give us your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday, friends. Thank you. Come get prayer if you need it.